Thank you for that song. That was a blessing. All right, well, go ahead and take your Bibles today and turn to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Very, very important message I want to preach today. I'm, I guess I probably think most of my messages are important, but this message that I want to preach to you today is actually going to be kind of a two parter. Um, I won't be preaching the second part until two weeks from now, but. Um, I'm going to probably stick with, uh, you know, do something along the line for Valentine's Day, something for couples or something next week. But in two weeks, I want, I'm going to probably finish this chapter. And I, it's, I want to make sure, don't draw any conclusions about me as far as, you know, how I think or whatever until you hear the second part. This is a very important message. You need to hear both parts of this. And so don't draw any major conclusions just from what you hear today. There's another part that we got to look at next week, and I know y'all are looking at me kind of confused, and that's kind of confusing, but basically, uh, just be ready for a couple weeks from now, you're going to need that message too, but this message is very important, if our church is going to continue to have a good spirit, if we are going to continue getting along and having a spirit of liberty in this church, having a spirit of unity, of love and friendship, brotherly love, brotherly kindness... You need to get this message because if you don't, if you make a lot of mistakes that I think he was trying to keep them from making here, uh, if, if you don't, if we don't follow these things, we're going to start having a lot of conflict. There's going to be a lot of fighting and stuff that goes on. And I don't know if y'all realize this, but did you know that even in churches sometimes it can get real ugly? It can, there can be bad spirits and even brothers and sisters in Christ can get mad at each other and Fight with each other, and I've heard, I mean I've heard some stories, okay, and I don't I don't like repeating stories too much that I don't know firsthand, but I've heard some good ones. I mean I've heard about uh, I've heard stories of knife fights, you know, breaking out and people getting stabbed, and I've heard you know I mean all kinds of things, and I don't know if they're just preacher stories or they really happen, but uh, I think they probably really happened, and so we want to be careful with that. We want to make sure that that doesn't happen, and you know most of the fighting and contention that goes on in church is over things that bother... You know, there's things about maybe one family in the church that bothers another family, and usually those things are just none of their business. And people sometimes, they can get real controlling of everybody, and it gets it gets rid, ridiculous. And have you ever seen these commercials? They come on... I hear them on the radio sometimes. I think they come on TV too, basically encouraging you to spy on your neighbor. You know, if you see something suspicious, call the authorities... And first off, I hate those commercials, alright? I don't want my neighbors spying on me, and I'm not going to go spying on my neighbors. Uh, people need to mind their own business. But at the same time, uh, I think a lot of churches, they kind of promote that same thing. Hey, if you see somebody else in the church doing something they're not supposed to, report it to the pastor so he knows what to preach on. And that is a terrible, terrible thing to do. And people do. There's people, they literally go tattling to the preacher over things they saw the people in the church doing. And listen, there are some things that uh, if it's going on with you know God's people, that it does need to be dealt with. And we'll probably cover some of those things specifically, but most of the things people are tattling to the preacher for are things that are just none of their business. And what I want to talk about today is about being fully persuaded. Because most of the time these things are about behavior, you know, how a person behaves, what the person does in their life, you know, how, how they live their life, how they run their life or whatever. And it's important that we are fully persuaded. We're going to see that phrase used in here about being fully persuaded. 
And I want to start reading in verse 1 of chapter 14 today in Romans. And it says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another, another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. And I want us to go back to verse 1. And the first thing I want to show you here is that we are supposed to receive people into the membership of this church even if they're weak in the faith. Did you notice that there? It says, Him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. You know, there's many people, they, you know, there, I've had folks that kind of look down on the way we allow people to join the church. If someone's been saved and baptized and they're willing to call this their church, you know, we will receive them into membership of the church. We don't put them through a catechism class and uh, we don't we don't put them through all these tests and things. We don't bring them before, you know, the deacons and, you know, grill them. Okay? And there's a reason people do that in these churches is because they want to make sure that, you know, they're all on the same page because we don't want a certain kind coming into our church. And but the Bible says right here, even if they're weak in the faith, receive them. But not the doubtful disputations. And a lot of the things that people want to dispute over and argue are things that maybe aren't real clear, things that aren't important, things that aren't anyone's business. And the truth is, the Bible says we're supposed to receive them. And I see people in the Bible joining the church after they got baptized. They get saved. They get baptized. They were in the church. That's what I see all over the Bible. And so that's kind of how, that's kind of how we do it here. Because here's the thing, if somebody just gets saved, if we go out and we win somebody to the Lord and they give their heart to Christ, and then they get baptized, they follow the Lord in believers' baptism, do you think they're going to be strong in their faith after that? Do you think they're going to be know everything they're supposed to know doctrinally? So at what point do we let them do it? You know, do we make them do all these things and then they you know have a graduation ceremony, you know, make them go to school for a year? You know, or two years, three years. I mean, how you know, just you know, how thorough do we need to be? But the Bible here just says, even if they're weak, you know, receive them, not to doubtful disputations. We're not going to get it. We're not going to get them up here and argue over whether we should have them, depending on what they believe in different things. Because the truth is, there are some things that, while they are important, okay, and while there are things that we preach here from the Bible, things about how you should live your own personal life. When it comes down to actually following them, whether you do or you don't, that is between you and God. It's not up to us. We don't have police here in the church. We don't have Baptist police that go around enforcing Baptist doctrine on the Baptist people, making sure you all are following all the rules. Okay, hey, God can deal with you on those kind of things, and we'll cover that in a little bit. But a person that does come, they need to be saved and baptized, but they don't have to be clones. Of the pastor, okay, you know, 
I, I tell people this all the time. I'm as opinionated as anybody. I think I'm right on everything. Okay, But at the same time, I know everybody doesn't have to be me. I know everybody's not going to be exactly like me. And truth is, that's probably a good thing too. But at the same time, you don't have to be a clone of the pastor. Certain churches, they're looking just for a specific kind and they're not willing to deal with people's issues. You know, and people are going to have issues sometimes. If people are newly saved, they're, I mean, they're going to come with some baggage. If they come from maybe a false religion, you know, there are going to be some things they bring with them that might be difficult. And we're going to look at what some of those things could be in a little bit. But you know, they don't have to be fully mature super Christians before they can be a member of a church. They don't need to fulfill any man-made. Ordinances. Look at what Matthew chapter 15 says. Go to turn to Matthew chapter 15. I want us to look over there and see some things that the Bible teaches that are very important. It says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do ye also transgress the commandment of God? By your traditions, and I love this. And folks, I hope nobody accuses me after this of being down on Fundamental Baptist. Okay, I grew up in a Fundamental Baptist church. I am Fundamental Baptist through and through. I fit the mold of Fundamental Baptist. Okay, but you know what? We're not perfect. We got we have our issues and things. And I don't know. This just reminds me of Fundamental Baptist here. A lot of times, you know, we got our things that we like to do. We got our areas where we're strong on and even areas where I think we're, we just happen to be right on. But at the same time, you know, we do. We'll get to looking at people that... in a lot of our things that we do that I think are good and things that I like, they are kind of, you know, traditions. They're things that have been passed down. And I like them. I'll admit it. You know, I, I like those things. But then... A lot of times, though, when somebody but when somebody comes along that doesn't exactly fit that mold, they don't actually do things the same way we do. We get all bent out of shape, and we start, you know, asking questions. You know, why don't they do that? Okay, for example, you know, most independent fundamental Baptist preachers dress a lot like I do when they preach. Now, there are some places that are preaching the gospel where the people they don't dress like this. And you know, when I go into those churches, I'm just kind of like, why isn't he wearing a suit and tie? Now listen, I can't find in the Bible where you have to wear a suit and tie. Okay, I mean, I'm sure that I know they did. I mean, I know the Apostle Paul did, right? I mean, he has to. Okay, that's what fundamental Baptists do, right? But no, but we do. We get we get bent out of shape by those things. But they are traditions, right? And you know what? I'm just going to tell you right now. I like it. I like wearing suits and ties. I like dressing up for church. I like that. But you know what? I can't, I'm not going to enforce that on people. You understand? I'm not going to make people do that. I can't really do that when I don't have a biblical command. And so, you know, here you have these Pharisees like, whoa, 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 why aren't the disciples washing their hands? Hey, that's what you're supposed to do before you eat. Yet there's nothing in the Bible that commands that you wash your hands before you eat. But hey, is it wrong to wash your hands before you eat? No. Is it wrong to wear a suit and tie when you're preaching? No. Okay? So, you know what? Neither group should get upset with that, should they? You shouldn't get upset if I'm wearing a suit and tie. I shouldn't get upset if you're not wearing a suit and tie. It is a tradition. Okay? It's a tradition. I happen to like it. Okay? And 
But it is, you know, I'm kind of that way. When I go someplace and they don't do it that way, that's not what I'm used to. That's not what I've grown up around. And I can be sometimes like the Pharisees a little bit and whoa, 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 what's going on here? And, you know, and please don't think and assume that I'm going trendy or anything like that. I'm not. But, but listen, but Jesus said, hey, you transgress the law through your traditions. Okay, and then verse 4, for he said, For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, you've got this tradition here that you all do that violates one of my commands. He says, Whosoever shall say to his father or mother, It is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have ye made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Basically, what this passage is saying here is kind of confusing, but if you read some commentaries and some of the manners and customs that they had, you know, you remember the firstborn, he would get a double portion, right? Well, one of the reasons the firstborn son would get a double portion, he was kind of in charge of taking care of his parents when they got older. And so they, if, and as a child, one of the ways you honored your parents, if your parents had a need, you were obli- and you had the ability to take care of that need, you were obligated to take care of your parents. Okay? Maybe you had some land or whatever, you were supposed to, you know, use that for them if you had it and save it for them, but they had this tradition that they could pledge or they could say, you know, it's a gift. I'm giving it to, you know, the synagogue, I'm giving it to the church or whatever. And if they had done that, then they didn't have to give that to their parents. And the thing is, people, some of them were, they would use that and they would basically were saying, you know, their parents needed something they have. Oh, no, I promise to give that to the church eventually. Or I promise to give that to the synagogue. And then their parents now, they have no claim on that because, oh, it's already been promised to the synagogue. And basically taking advantage of their parents. They had no intention of giving it to the synagogue. They just wanted to keep it for themselves. And so it was, it was a terrible tradition that violated a command of God. And so Jesus got on, you know, he got on to him for it. He said, ye hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, the people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Okay? But in vain, they do worship me, teaching the doctrines, the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand, not that which goeth into the mouth defileth the man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth the man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? I love that. I mean, that happens too. You know, if you start preaching against some of, not even against some of the traditions, but if you start admitting like I just did that a suit and tie is tradition and not Bible command, you can offend a lot of Baptists by saying that. Now, Pastor Tommy, you know, should you be saying that? Because you're going to offend people by that. And Baptists, boy, we get really easily offended, don't we, sometimes? We get offended by some of the most petty, pathetic things that you have ever seen. Oh, man, did you hear that song that they sang? Did you hear the way? You know, I, I didn't think that song was appropriate. I didn't think, you know, I didn't like the way he slid those notes or whatever. And, man, you know, have your standards, but you know what? Give people a break. All right? Just, you know, give people a break. Not everybody's as perfect as you are. 
You know, did you see that outfit? They were. You see the way they did their hair. You know, that's. I mean, that goes on, doesn't it? Picking on these things. You know, did you, I, I, I. You know, she cut her hair way too short. She's a woman. You know, I don't know if that skirt was quite long enough on her. Or that was outfit was too tight or whatever. I don't think she should have dyed her hair that color. And you know, we. I mean, we get going on all that stuff, and it gets ugly. And let me tell you something. About gossips, you know, you know, there's always somebody in the church that thinks everybody hates them and everybody's out to get them. And there's a reason that you think that way. It's usually because you're so harsh and you're so judgmental on everybody else and you think people are the same way to you. And usually the person who thinks they're getting talked about the most is the person in the church doing the most talking. That's just the way it goes. But these things that people are bringing up, they aren't, they're, you know their traditions. That's not what you're supposed to do. That's not that's not how this works. And I don't know if we ought to let people like that into the church. I don't know if that's the type that we want. I don't know if they're the kind that we're looking for. But yet we see in the Bible that the people that were at it were people that were saved and that were baptized. I like what Paul said. You know, he said, "I have determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified." I'm not interested in where you come from. I'm not interested in all you know and how you think. Are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? That is the most important thing. And you know what? We can have traditions. Traditions are fine as long as they don't violate anything in the Bible. Okay, I don't believe I'm breaking any biblical commandments by wearing a suit and tie when I preach. Okay, and if I want to have that tradition, I think that's fine. If that's how I think it ought to be done, that's okay. Uh, I'm fully persuaded that there's nothing wrong with this. Okay, and so I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing. But in Second Thessalonians chapter two verse fifteen, Paul said, "Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions." Which ye have been taught, whether by word or by epistle. Okay, there are there are a lot of things that fundamental Baptist tradition has taught that do not violate anything in the Bible, and I think they're okay. And I want to hang on to those things. Okay, I like the type of church that I came from. I like the type of churches that I run around with. I like a lot of the traditions. I like how I like how we do things. I like our order of service. I like the way we start our service off with the song and how we shake hands and when we take the offering and when we do announcements and how we do invitations. I like the whole order of it. But did I get that from the Bible? No, I got it from traditions. And if I go to a church that does it a little different, I don't really have a whole lot of cause to be down on that church. We went to a church on a Wednesday night uh, when we were on vacation last year in Branson, and this church, the way they ran their Wednesday night service, every little detail was exactly the way we do it. And I was just like, man, this church is awesome, you know. <laughs> and, and, I mean, every little thing for how many songs they sang to when he pre- I mean, just every little thing when they prayed. I mean, it was exactly the way that we run our service. And I was just like. Yeah, this is a good church, and we're, my wife and I we were thinking about going there on our anniversary. We're going to go visit that church again, and uh, if we go on a Sunday, uh, they better do things the way we do it here on the Sunday too, or I'm not going back there anymore. And you know, some and some people are like that, and, and we we do we have to be careful, and but, and we, but we've got to recognize some things for what they really are. They are traditions. Some things are not completely outlined in the scripture. It's not specified. 
And some things are traditions. And it's important though what you have in your life that you do these things because you are fully persuaded. If you're just doing things because Brother Tommy told you and you're not real sure, listen, you're going you're to struggle. You're not going to hang on to those things. You need to get to where you're fully persuaded. But traditions, you know, they, they help bring different things to remembrance. You know, things that are important and special. Okay? You know, a lot of you might have holiday traditions that you do. And they're special to you. And there are, there are traditions that we have in the church that are special to us. Things that we love to do that we appreciate. And those are fine as long as they don't violate Scripture. But you know, at the same time though, when it comes to traditions, we gotta be careful trying to enforce them on everybody. Because, like, for example, let's just say we start a tradition here. And this is kind of an extreme example, but on Christmas, everybody has to wear red or green. Okay? I mean, that would look really pretty if out there in the audience everybody's kind of matching in red and green. You know, I could get a picture of it. It would look really good. And we do. I mean, we want everyone wearing red and green on Christmas. But you know what? Sure, if we decided we were going to do it, there's going to be somebody that's going to show up and they're not going to wear red and green. And it would be real easy for us to look at that and think, you know what? You know, how dare they mess our look up? You know, they're wearing blue when, you know, we're, but you know what? Maybe that person used to be into vampirism and red reminds them of blood. And, you know, and they, and they struggle with that. You know, there are things because of people's backgrounds sometimes that they struggle with that you and I, we think nothing of. There are some people that don't like Christmas. They don't like celebrating Christmas. They don't like it that we celebrate it on December 25th. They don't like it that we have Christmas trees. They say that it's pagan. Okay? Now listen, I have never... We've put up Christmas trees every year my whole life. I never one time have prayed to those trees. I never even thought about praying to those trees. But you know, someone who came out of paganism, maybe they would struggle with that. Maybe that would bother them. And are we commanded to celebrate Christmas in the way that we do? No. So if somebody doesn't want to celebrate Christmas like we do, they don't want to follow that tradition, do we need to throw them out of the church? No. Now, do they need to look, should they look down on us because we do? No. It's not a sin for us. We're going to see in a little bit. There are some things that maybe would be a sin for one person, and it's not for us because we are fully persuaded in our mind that this is okay, that this is appropriate. Some people, depending on what they were saved out of, may struggle with different things where another person doesn't have a problem. Verse 2 of Romans chapter 14 says, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Okay? Somebody who is saved out of Hinduism, you go reach one of the Hindu people here in town, and you get them saved, they might struggle with eating hamburger. They don't believe in eating meat. They're vegetarians. And if you won them to the Lord, they might not want to eat meat. Okay. Now, do we have a right as a church to say, listen, all things are supposed to be received because they are sanctified by the Word of God and prayer. Eat your hamburger. Okay. No. We don't need to make them do that. For them, it would hurt their conscience. Now, hopefully, over time, as they study the Bible, as they gain liberty in Christ, the day may come where they are fully persuaded in their mind that I can eat this meat and I am not sinning. And when they come to that point, 
then they will be ready to do it. But we don't have to force it on them. If we were to win a Jewish person to the Lord, they might not want to eat that bacon. It would be hard for them. Because, boy, they've had that tradition for so long and there are no commands in the Bible to eat pork. And so, for us to try to force that on them, it would be wrong. It would be wrong for them to try to make us all vegetarians if they're a Hindu or to make us tell all of us we can't eat pork. But it would be wrong for us to force that on them too, wouldn't it? Okay, They need to be fully persuaded in their mind. You need to be fully persuaded in your mind. And if you are fully persuaded in your mind that it's okay, if you've learned from the Scriptures there's nothing wrong with eating meat, then go ahead and do it. But some people they are just not sure. And you're gonna, we're gonna, at the end of the chapter... You know, it talks about whatsoever is not a faith is is sin. Okay, if you're if you're not fully persuaded, hey, I would be careful. I would tell that person that just got saved. You know what? Don't go into don't go eating meat right away. You know, take your time. You know, a person who came out of Judaism, they might not want work. They might not want to work on the Sabbath. Okay, and when do we have work days around here at the church? We do it on Saturdays, don't we? Well, somebody gets saved out of Judaism that's never worked, done physical labor on a Saturday, they would probably struggle with that. They would probably have a hard time. And you know what? We just need to, you know, give them give them a break. Let them get to that point where the Lord gives them the liberty that they will be able to go and work on a Saturday and know that you know what God is will bless what I do. God is okay with it, but it's going to take. Some time, because the truth is, there's nothing wrong with resting on Saturday, you know, and there's nothing wrong with working on Saturday. So we've got to be careful. Some people, you know, depending on where they come from, they're going to think different. You know, neither group should look down on the other group. He said, "Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not." Okay, I got I struggle with this first, okay, because I, you know, I struggle. I don't like vegetarians. All right. They always think they're better than us meat eaters, you know. And it's like, man, you know, you're no better than we are. You know, just, well, you all eat animals, those poor innocent animals. You know, don't make me feel bad about it because I ain't about to quit. You know, <laughs> and you know what? We shouldn't look down on them, and they shouldn't look down on us. You know what? If you all want to go vegetarian, you know, that's that's none of my business. That is none of my business. And if I if I go out there and I eat a cow. Or a pig, or I won't say like even a cat or something. You know, it's all they're all sanctified by the word of God. I'm not going to eat a cat, but you know, hey, maybe if I was hungry enough, but I've never been that hungry. But you know, there's people. There's some people out there. They they'll eat possum. Okay, I mean they'll eat raccoon. I mean that's gross. Okay, but you know what? I can't find anything in the New Testament that says they can't do that. I'm not going to do it, but. And we're not we're not going to throw them out of the church if they do. So it says, "Let not him which eateth or with eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. God's received both of them. They've been saved. You understand that? What business do we have rejecting people that God has received? He's received both of them. He's received the meat eater. He's even received the vegetarian. And so you know what? We're going to receive him too. Verse four. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Uh, yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him to stand. Okay? So notice, we see here that God can deal with his own servants. See, this is what we've got to, we've, you all just got to figure out. Figure this out, okay? 
I hope you all are fully persuaded in your own mind when it comes to whatever. I hope you have standards and convictions in your life. I hope you, you know, you stand firm on those things. I hope it's good for you to have, you know, good dress standards, music standards, you know, standards for what you watch on television or what you don't watch. You ought to have those things in your life. You ought to live by those things. You ought to follow those things. But when it comes to other people's lives, you need to mind your own business. You see, because the truth is, you all here in here today, you are not my servants. None of you in here are each other's servants. We are God's servants. And you see what it says in verse five or in verse four. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? You have no business doing that. You have no business going into maybe another person's business and getting on to them for how their employees are working. Hey, that's not your that's not your business. That's not your place. They are not your servants. Therefore, you have nothing to say about that. Okay? And all of you in here, you are not each other's servants. You are the servants of God. And if a person here in this church is out of line, if they're not doing things the way they're supposed to do, God can deal with His servants. One man esteemeth one day, verse 5, above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. He that regardeth the day regardeth to the Lord. He that regardeth not the day to the Lord, he doth not regard it. He that eateth eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not to the Lord, he eateth not and giveth God thanks. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord. Whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live therefore or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that He might be Lord both of the dead and living. Do you all realize that the reason Jesus Christ died for your sins was not just so you could get saved, but so you would also stay saved? And did you know that a person who gets saved, their salvation it had nothing to do with works, right? We all know that, don't we? But did you know them staying saved has nothing to do with their works? They will stay saved because of Jesus Christ. Because He died. Because He paid for sins. Because He rose again. When Jesus Christ returns, they will go up in the rapture. They will be resurrected if they're they're, uh, the dead in Christ. And Jesus Christ did all that so He could do that for them. And therefore, why would we go around spending so much of our life stressing ourselves out, trying to enforce things on people that are none of our business that has nothing to do with their eternal destination. It makes no sense. It's a stress. It's a burden that people are putting on themselves that they should not do. Verse 10, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Why are we trying to straighten each other out when we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ? For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Did you all see that? Hey, you know what, man? I hope you all do the right thing, but I'm going to concentrate a whole lot more on making sure I prepare for when I stand before God than making sure you're ready when you stand before God. Man, I want you all to be ready. Even as a pastor, I want to preach the truth. I want to try to prepare you the best I can. But when it comes down to it, though, ultimately, I just want to make sure I'm ready when I stand before Christ. Are you ready to stand before God right now? Boy, we got a lot of people in churches. They're real good at figuring out what's wrong with everybody. 
But at the same time, if you ask them, hey, you ready to stand before Christ right now? Nope. Well, you know what? Stop wasting your time in everybody else's business. Get your own life right because one of these days, you are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And if those people are wrong in what they do, God will deal with it. Okay, If you're right, God will reward you someday for it. So don't worry about it. You know, my kids, we you know, they've you know, growing up, you know, they hear all the rules that we have in our home, and then they start as they start getting older, they start noticing all the people in the world that don't do what we do. They don't act like we act, they don't follow the same rules that we follow, and they've asked, Hey, you know, how come this person does this and we don't? And we our answer is because that's another family. Those aren't our kids. You know, and therefore, it's not our problem. And you saying you're not sure your way's right? No, I'm I'm sure I'm right. I'm I'm sure what I do is I mean I, I I'm right on the money, man. <laughs> I, I and I'm having fun with you a little bit. What we do in our family, man, we're right on the money. We're right across the board. But you know what? If some other family's not doing it that way, I don't care. It's not my business. We need to do things. We need to be fully persuaded in our mind. I know why I do what I do. I know why I have the rules that I have in my life. I'm fully persuaded. Therefore, I'm going to keep doing it. And my obedience to the scriptures, it's not supposed to be based on who else is doing it. But that's that's what most people do. Even most Christian people, oh, well, the pastor says it's okay, therefore it's okay. Our pastor says it's okay to go and drink, therefore it's okay. Alright, I'd work on getting fully persuaded on that if I were you. you know, I'd do a little checking, but that's the way a lot of people are. They're content to let someone else tell them how to do everything. No, the Bible says you need to be fully persuaded in your own mind. And I would encourage you with some of the things you do, the way you live your life, the things you allow in your life, are you sure that's okay? Are you sure you're, you want to stand before God and answer for that? Are you sure? Are you fully persuaded? I recommend you, you, you know, study the Scriptures. I recommend you pray about it. But we should be preparing to be judged by God instead of trying to be the judge of everyone else. Those who are saved will make it into heaven and it won't be because they followed all of our rules and it won't even be because they followed God's rules. Look what verse 4 says, you know, who art thou that judgeth another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Watch this. Yea, he shall be holden up. Now, I'm going into territory I shouldn't be going into. Alright, I'm going to reveal a secret that most Baptists, uh, fundamental Baptists don't want you all to know. Alright, are you all, are you all ready for this secret? Did you know that people, not that save people who don't do all the things that fundamental Baptists teach, all right, who don't dress the way we teach ought to dress, who don't listen to the music that we think they ought to, and even ones who don't even use the same Bible that we use. If those people are saved, did you know when they stand before God, He's still going to let them into heaven? I know y'all didn't know that, and I just let the cat out of the bag, but they still are going to get to go to heaven. You know what? They're going to be holding up. What are they being held up by? There's no way that person's going to be able to stand before God and make it into heaven. Look at all the things they do in their life. Look at all the sin that's still in their life. And listen, I am not condoning sin for one second, but watch this. First Peter three five or one three says, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay? Jesus paid for our sins. Jesus rose from the dead. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the traditions of the fundamental Baptist church. Is that what it says? No. It says who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Did you all see that? That's what keeps us saved. Alright? That faith in Jesus Christ, that's what got you saved. That is what keeps you saved. It, I mean, all glory goes to Him. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am fully persuaded that being an independent fundamental Baptist is the way to go. I am fully persuaded that the way I'm living my life is what God wants for me. I believe, I am fully persuaded that when I, when I stand before God, these rules and things that I've followed in my life will be pleasing to Him. I believe God is pleased by many of the things that I do or things that I don't do, I am fully persuaded by that. But understand, I'm not getting to heaven by those things. And we see in the Bible where... I don't see in the Bible where on those things like that, we are to be enforcers of those things. We are supposed to teach people the least commandments. And we are. I'm going to, I'm going to teach you things from the Scriptures things that you ought to do in your own personal life, things that are none of my business, whether you do them or not, but I'm supposed to teach it to you from the Scriptures. I'm supposed to show you what the Bible says. And if the Bible says it, you ought to take those things and you ought to do them. But when it comes to enforcing and judging another, we see in the Bible really the only things that we're supposed to... You know, Obviously, it, there are some things that are specified. If there is somebody in the church that is spreading false doctrine... That is something as a church we're supposed to mark them to cause division. We're supposed to, uh, you know, you're supposed to remove people like that. If there's someone who is in, uh, in, uh, you know, severe immorality, you know, living in adultery, fornication, those type of things, the Bible specifically tells us to not let that be once named among you as become a saint. You do have to deal with those things. If there is someone, I believe one of the other things mentioned, if somebody is basically. Uh, it's clear that they are a crook and they are, you know, robbing and cheating people. You know, breaking laws, those type of things. You do have to, you are supposed to deal with those things. But did you realize though that 95% of the stuff that people gossip about, fight about, get mad about in churches, try to enforce on people, even even when those people are right on whether it's right or wrong, the Bible does not tell us we're supposed to judge people in those things. You're supposed to mind your own business. You're supposed to be fully persuaded in your own mind. And what's happening today is many people, they go to a church and they peer pressure causes them to conform to the rest of the people in that church. They don't know why they're doing the things they're doing. I don't know why I do this. I don't know why I dress this way. I don't know why I act this way. I don't know why I don't do these things. They're not fully persuaded in their own mind. They're doing it by peer pressure. They're doing it with a bad attitude. And then what happens, somebody else comes in the church that doesn't follow all their rules. How come they don't have to follow the rule when I do? Have your kids ever done that to you? Mom, you know how come that you know Jason's doing this? You don't, you told me I couldn't do that. And the truth is, you know, you all aren't my children for one. Okay? You're God, you're God's children. But here's the thing. 
when I know that something is right, I don't care who does it and who doesn't do it. I I really don't care. I'm going to go ahead and do the right thing and I'm going to try to warn people whatever, but it doesn't matter what everybody else is doing. When you know you're doing the right thing, it's not going to bother you when other people don't do it. And the reason people are bothered is because they're not fully persuaded in their own mind. They don't know why. And just understand, whatever it is you're looking down on people at the church about, whatever you're getting mad at people about and judging people over, it's probably because you're not fully persuaded in your own mind. Hey, I believe in going to church. I believe I ought to be at church. And you know what? There's other people that don't. They don't, they don't think you ought to have to go to church. They don't, they don't think the Baptist church is the right church to go to. Well, guess what? I'm fully persuaded it is. So I don't care what they think. It honestly doesn't affect me. I didn't scratch my head today and wonder, you know, man, you know, should, we, should I try to get the church to switch religions today because somebody said Baptist is bad? No, I'm fully persuaded. So I don't care. I don't care what other people say. You know, our government—they're constantly making these laws saying certain things are right when they're not. It doesn't bother me. I'm going to continue living my life exactly the way I've lived it. You know why? Because I'm fully persuaded what's right. I know what the Bible says, and I don't care what they say. It doesn't bother me one bit. It doesn't affect me the least. But some people, they are troubled by these things because they're not fully persuaded. And I'm here today to tell you, I hope you, know, I hope you pick up on being a fundamental Baptist. I hope, you know, I'll admit it, I hope you, you latch on to some of the traditions and things we do. I like them. I think they're good. I enjoy them. Uh, I, I've got, you know, but at the same time, until you're fully persuaded, until you know exactly why you are doing what you are doing, I, I wouldn't recommend it. You need to be fully persuaded in your own mind. And that's between you and God. Between you and the Scriptures. And so I hope you will do that and don't go judging other people's servants. Don't tell my wife how to dress. She's my wife. Okay? You wouldn't like it if I came up to your wife and got all over her case and you know, why do you do your hair that way? That's ugly. You know, whoa, 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 whoa. Not your place. Not your business. Why do you wear that color? It doesn't go it doesn't go with you. Not my place. Not my business. You know what? These people aren't right with God. Well, that's between them and God. Okay? Let God deal with them and you will be a happier person. You won't have to be such a miserable wretch that brings your misery and spreads it around the church. So, get fully persuaded in your own mind. And I encourage you to read the rest of that chapter. We're going to cover that in a couple weeks. and Because I, I, don't, I don't want you all to think, oh, I don't have to worry about doing anything. No, that's not the message. There is, there is more to this. And so we'll look at that in a couple weeks from now. But let's all stand together. Boy, this is so important. I I do, man. I want to preserve...